0: I believe if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and if we want him to have his way in our church services, and we love Jesus with all our heart and mind and soul, that the Lord our God will direct the church service. That the Lord God will prepare your hearts to hear a word specifically for you, and that the Lord in his love and mercy and compassion for you wants to speak to your heart today. And there's a lot of times we eat vitamins, we don't even know why they help us, but they, and we don't even know sometimes we need them. But if you eat a good, well-rounded meal, every meal, you get everything you have need of. And I believe the Lord is a wonderful shepherd and knows how to feed us. Prepare your hearts, have faith this morning. I remembered when God first got a hold of my life, I felt like every church service, I couldn't wait to get there because he talked just to me every time. And I realized the other people kept coming back too as if God was talking to them. (laughs) Always baffled me. It was all for me. Why did they think it was such a good service? you know? And you realize God knows how to speak to us as his children. In the book of John, chapter 10, beginning in verse 9, reading out of the English Standard Version. Last week we talked about the I Am, Jesus being the I Am, the door. And we are coming towards the end of this series on the great I Am's of Jesus. And in this portion of scripture, he tells about being two I Am's. One is he said, I am the door. And it leads in because he's talking about being the door to the sheepfold and the door to the sheep's lives. And he goes further and says this, beginning in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Can you say good shepherd with me this morning? I know my own, and my own know me. Mm. Would you stand with me this morning? I wonder if you'd be willing this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, if it's a phone or an iPad, we know what's in it. We know the Bible's in your phone and iPad, but would you just, as we pray this morning, Put your hand on your Bible. And prepare to hear the voice of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth, O God. And like the little servant Samuel said, here am I thy servant. Speak to me, Lord, I am listening. Father, let us have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying today through your word and through your will, and through your Holy Spirit, and we will give you all the glory, and the honor, and the praise, and rejoice greatly in it. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said? Amen Amen and amen. Would you go greet somebody in the name of the Lord? All right, all right. Boy, I really like the sound of love. Jesus is speaking to a people that understand sheep and shepherding. They would get the analogies and the references. They'd seen good shepherds. They'd seen bad shepherds. The other thing, the people of Israel deemed their leaders as shepherds. Whether that was a political leader, a civic leader, or a church leader, a religious leader. They looked to their leaders as shepherds. Shepherds that were to tend them and take care of them. And of course, they knew they were good leaders and bad leaders, people that would fleece them and cheat them and charge them great taxes and wanted to lead just for the sake of gaining their own glory or filling their own pockets. But a good shepherd, Jesus said, and they got it, lays down his life for the sheep. In fact, they're finding even in today's society that it's the servant leader that turns companies from good to great. One of the main reasons companies become great is because they have a sacrificial leader, and you go back and you look at that leader, and he may not have taken any salary for a year or two. And of course, they were wealthy enough coming into it that they were able to sustain, but because they had enough to live on, they wanted to get the company up and running. They wanted their workers to stay employed. And they call them servant leaders nowadays. They're just good shepherds, aren't they? They're a good shepherd. And as a pastor, a good pastor is one who is in it for the right reasons, right? And a hireling who doesn't have ownership will flee when his life's on the line or her life's on the line. But a good shepherd holds in the midst of the storm. And Jesus says, I am a good shepherd. And I'm amazed throughout the course of my life how many times I don't think about my heavenly Father, my Savior being my good shepherd. Are there times in your life where you forget that the lover of your soul is a really good shepherd to you? Not a bad shepherd. I would say a great shepherd. Now Jesus has some history coming into this where They call him, many times they say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me, one blind man says. How many have heard that phrase, Jesus, son of David? Yeah, Yeah. and and it just kind of rolls off our mouth we don't think about it, but the reality is that it was prophetic that the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, would come from the kingly lineage of David. And many of the Gospels... uh, Two of them, Luke and Matthew, I believe, actually reference the lineage of Jesus. And it's Matthew that that, that links the lineage of Jesus back to Joseph. And so does Luke. It's very important that they show the people of God Jesus was actually an answer to prophecy and was the Christ. He fulfilled all the scripture. David was a Christ type in the Old Testament. How many of you know before David became king, when he was a young boy, what his vocation was, what he was being trained to be? How many of you believe that David, for the most part, was a good shepherd? In fact, he was looked at probably throughout the scriptures as one of the greatest shepherd kings of the Bible. He blew it, he got selfish, he slew one of his own sheep. And when David fell in sin with Bathsheba, he, of course, the Bible indicates through his writings in Psalm, he just burned inside. It killed him inside to have done what he did. And I don't want to go into the story. Many of you know it. But the story between David and Bathsheba and what led up to that and what happened and how David took her husband and put him in harm's way so he would die and he did get killed. And when the prophet came to call David upon it, He did a God thing to David. He said, "Oh king, I have a dilemma." David's listened to Nathan the prophet. Okay, Nathan, what do you have to say?" And he said, "There was this poor man who had a little family and all they could have was one little lamb and they fed that lamb under their own table. It was like one of his own children almost. He loved that lamb and boy, he's hooked David already, hasn't he?" That shepherd's heart in David is just oh, he could relate. And this poor man loved this little lamb, but next door to him was a rich man who had many sheep. And he had a guest come over, and he went over and took the only lamb from this man, killed it, and fed his guests with it. Oh, David was out of his throne by then, wasn't he? He was just, you bring this man to me. Nathan said, David, you are that man. You took Uriah and you slew him. You took his only bride. You have many women you could choose, and you picked his. Now, David was like every other man in the Bible except Jesus. He failed. He got called on it. And the only difference in the Bible between the heroes and the villains is when the heroes get called on it, they own it. David said, I am a sinner. I truly did this. I am, God, whatever you want to do to me. And David owned up to it. He didn't blame. He didn't blame shift. At that point, he owned it. Now, the other men in the Bible who would fall and get called on they'd have excuses. They'd blame. See, see, we all are going to make mistakes. And what separates us from responding right and wrong is what made the heroes of the Bible. They all made mistakes. Moses, David, all the men of God. Peter. It's how they responded to their failures and their mistakes. And David responded right. But there was great consequence for his actions. But God tugged on that David's heart to spiritually adjust David back to a, a right place with God. David writes Psalm 51 shortly after that. Create in me, O God, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not aside. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Wash me, O God, white as snow. And David came back right with God. But God used that shepherd's heart to get David to see how heinous his actions were. And it, it revealed him naked before a nation. And yet David responded correctly. Boy, I wouldn't want to bend David's shoes on that day. But as a result of David being after God's own heart, a shepherd's heart, a loving heart to the sheep of God. Many times David laid down his life for the people of Israel. When he would sin, he'd say, punish me, God. Don't punish the sheep. They don't have anything to do with this. It was on me, God. And David would stand up and lay down his life. And the Bible says because David had a man after God's own heart, that God said... An heir will never, one of your heirs will never depart from the throne of Israel. And here comes Jesus. And once Jesus was made king, we haven't needed another one since. So Jesus would walk the streets. They say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. And so as Jesus is talking to these people about why he healed the blind man, and he's saying, man, you guys don't understand. A good shepherd would heal a blind guy. A good shepherd does what the Lord wants. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was literally laying down his life for the people of the world. And Jesus says, I am a good shepherd. What is the definition of a good shepherd? Does the Bible speak to that? It does several times, but I think one of the greatest portions of Scripture that tells us what a good shepherd is was written by the shepherd king himself, King David. It's one of the psalms that's probably the most comforting psalm for most Christians and people of the world. It's one of the most quoted psalms you'll ever hear. Who can tell me what you think the greatest shepherd psalm would be? At least it'd be in the running as one of the top shepherd psalms. Anybody want to say, what's the most comforting psalm in the Bible? Anybody say in Psalm 23? You can change your answer right now. Say Psalm 23. Turn there with me to Psalm 23. It is a beautiful rendition from the shepherd king, the heart of God, and what a good shepherd is. And read with me. I'll be reading this portion. What what translation did I use, guys? I think I stayed with English Standard Version. Yeah, I did. It'll read very similar to many of the traditional verses. Some of you have memorized much of this or all of it. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. My Bible titles it, The Lord is my shepherd. David says this about his heavenly father. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me sporadically throughout my life. You're paying attention, aren't you? Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life because the Lord is my shepherd. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and the people of God say, Amen. Amen. We sang a song this morning, It is well with my soul. This portion of the Bible will help you feel well within your soul. Six Short verses about a good shepherd. I got to thinking about it, and I put down on paper. Okay, good shepherd versus bad shepherd. And, And my message this morning isn't definitive to the work of Psalm 23. It will always be virulent and fruitful in your lives. I can't sum it up in one service. But let me say this. A good shepherd will do four things... I'm going to call them the four Ps. And 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 again, this isn't all-inclusive, but I think the logical average mind will see that this is true. If a shepherd is good, he will provide. He will protect. He will bring peace throughout the land, and there won't be war. There won't be civil war. There won't be global war. You'll be at peace. You won't war within your own family, you'll have peace. A good shepherd also causes us to prosper. It says of Solomon that silver became as common as rocks almost in Israel. They prospered as David's momentum as a good shepherd went on into the next generation. In Psalm 23, we find these four Ps in one form or another. And I'd like to go to the first one under provision, do you believe that the Lord is your shepherd and you'll want of nothing? You know, in our society, you never get everything you want. But when it says, I shall not want, it means I shall not lack. I will lack no thing in my life. Now, this is kind of an off-the-topic, kind of silly analogy, but it just came to my mind. I was talking to another dog lover, and I'm sorry you guys keep hearing about my dog. But all of a sudden, now that I have a dog, I want to believe that there's a doggy heaven. How many dog owners want to believe there's a doggy heaven? And now you're all going, pastor's going to answer the riddle. (laughs) And he has a dog, so there will be a dog heaven. Well, I'm going to defer to Billy Graham. I just think he's a sharp tack and God used him. And Billy Graham was asked that question one time. He said, if I get to heaven and I need my dog, God will make sure he's there. What a great politically correct answer that is. I mean, you haven't... Taking it away from anybody. The real theologian, he can't argue with that, really. If if God wants you to have it, how can you argue? God will give it to you, right? And The dog lovers hold out hope that I'm sure I'm going to need my dog in heaven, you know. (laughs) If he's a good shepherd, will he withhold it from you? That's the bottom line. If you have need of it, a good shepherd will make sure you have it. Is the Lord this morning your good shepherd? And you can say, you see, there's a spirit that wants you to lack. There's a spiritual attitude. In fact, every commercial that's marketed is designed to create a recognition that you don't have enough. You see, I'm not mad at marketing or advertising. It is what it is. They're doing what they're getting paid to do. How do they get you to buy something? By showing you you need it and you don't have it. So in America, how many commercials do we see on TV, here on the radio, see in billboards, see in magazines? So we're constantly reminded we don't have enough. But the Bible says, peace with contentment is great gain. Be happy And joyful with what you have. Be content. And when you really trust the Lord and have faith, you have to realize that none of you have starved to death yet. You're all still alive here today. There's not one of you that can't say the Lord hasn't taken care of you. Because here you sit. Well, I could have had more. Yes. But faith says, and love for the shepherd says, I will lack for nothing if I have a good shepherd for a father. Let your faith and hope arise today. The Lord is your shepherd. You'll lack nothing. And I love the fact he makes me get blessed. God does make me do things. He makes me have peace. He makes me have joy. He makes me lie down. And green pastures symbolize what? The ultimate provision. Sheep needed grass to live. And he made them lie down in green pastures. The Lord was their shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. A good shepherd provides all that you have need of. You don't lack. Your father owns the cattle on three hills. Huh? Come on. Our father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. 1,000 was infinitesimal. It was a number that meant beyond. He's a good provider. The second P that a great shepherd will give us is protection. In the Psalm 23, it says, He guides me along the right path for his namesake. What a protection it is in the Lord that the Lord will guide you on the right path. Man, when young people get on the wrong path, it's scary, isn't it? They're not safe. Every parent here knows if your child is walking the wrong path, not listening to the voice of the Lord, doing their own thing, it's scary because they walk out from underneath a protection that you're aware of. Isn't that right? I mean, every instinct in a parent is mad at a child when they walk off the path, and many children misinterpret the anger. The reason a parent gets scared is because they are fearful for your protection. You're no longer, and they intuitively know, you are vulnerable to injury now. And no parent likes that. They'll respond in all kinds of emotional ways. You know, danger, Will Rogers, danger, you know, they're just going nuts. Some of you young people don't know what I was doing there. So I'm going to have to get some more relevant applications. That was Lost in Space. That was the robot. And he, anyway, all right. Science fiction, it's awesome. Okay.
1: <clears throat>
0: I just need to, you know, find out the new science fiction stuff and go with that. The Lord will guide you along the right paths. Yes, for his namesake, because he loves you. Your parents in your life weren't mad at you because they were selfish. Yes, it was for the last name that they lived, you know, your, for their namesake. You know, no, no parent wants his name out there being besmudged or, you know, the child embarrassing them. But it's really for a good parent, they want you to walk the right path so you stay. Protected, and guarded, and you become what you're destined to become, and it's not thwarted early. Also in Psalm 23, we see, even though I walk through the valley of death, the darkest valley, if you understand the good protection of a shepherd, you'll fear no evil. Now, I know none of us live 100% of the time with no fear. With no anxiety. But this is why the Lord tells us this. Is we need to be reminded of it over and over. Don't forget to listen to the voice of the Savior. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they know my voice and they follow. When you follow the voice of the Lord, you're on the right path. You can go through the valley of the shadow of death. Because the Lord is with you. Because you're following his lead, and if his lead leads you into a dark place, into a dark if life takes you into a dark place, and everything in your heart and mind says, "God, I want to follow you in this," then you can begin to feel a peace come around you, because protection will start to come around your life. And the scripture says, "Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death," do you like that word "through"? You're not stopping, you're going through it. In one side, you're going to come out the other, else they can't use this word through. Winston Churchill says, when you're going through hell, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the most spiritual men I've ever, no, I'm just kidding. Even though I walk, I will go through. All right, the other thing that a good shepherd, a great leader will do, besides provide give protection, is it will give you peace. We sing about that today. There's something peaceful and knowing it is well with my soul. Probably the most comforting, one of the most comforting scriptures in the Bible, Psalm 23. It just speaks peace and comfort. We could substitute this word peace for comfort. The Lord leads me beside the quiet water. I, I struggle with reality shows where they make money off the drama of human beings. Now, I, I feel bad for the humans that get sucked into that, maybe because they're living a lifestyle of drama. I, I struggle when I get into a home or around people that are just very dramatic about everything and they live in drama. They, they don't live by quiet waters. And God wants you to. Yes, there's going to be drama in your life. There's going to be hardship. There's going to be tragedy. But he leads you back to still waters. Now, some of you don't know, and probably many of you don't know, that one of our elders has a daughter by the name of Vanessa Perla. And within this last year, Vanessa's husband, Ryan, passed away totally unexpectedly and left the two little boys and Vanessa reeling from the heartache. Talk about Almost more than the shadow of death, actual death. But they didn't die, so the shadow comes heavy over them, yes? And uh, this week, Susie and I went, uh, Vanessa was going to the university to get her master's degree in. Pardon? Her doctorate. No, master's in conducting. Master's in conducting. And she was having an exit, a final exam by conducting a 55-piece orchestra and picking all the pieces that she was going to do. And one of the, two of those pieces, one was a lullaby, and the other one was a rendition called Rest. Susie said she only cried nine times through the concert. <laughs> As we saw Vanessa completing her master's program in the midst of the storm. I have not heard music like that. Susie had prayed that the anointing of God would come over Vanessa to the glory of the Lord. And I tell you what, everything in me, and there was, uh, they even brought, I think an area high school came in to audit this, to watch, you know, what you can become if you go to college, because these were all college students performing with Vanessa. And rows of high school kids and, parents, I'm sure, and music lovers, and of course, Vanessa and Ryan lovers were in mass, along with her church that she goes to. They hosted a reception afterwards. So this place held about 600 people, I know, because I counted the seats. I'm always curious about that, <clears throat> because when a man goes to an orchestra, you got to do something, you know, I mean, you got to <laughs> keep it. It's like going to the opera, you know, it's like, okay, I'm here for Vanessa. I'm not going to probably get anything out of this. <laughs> So let me count the seats. One, two, three. Good shepherds count. You know, I mean, it's just. (laughs) And during the lullaby part, it was awesome. I fell asleep. It was great. I got some rest. Susie's elbow in me. It was beautiful. I mean, it was. It was just like, wow. You know, I was in still waters. Still waters. From a young lady that has been through the most horrific storm that you could ever imagine. Why? Because she has a good shepherd for a father who feels her hurt, like any good daddy would feel the hurt for a daughter, but God intervenes and leads us beside. We have to, he has to lead us back because we we drift in this world and the noise and the confusion, the anxiety, and he, he leads us back to still waters. How does God do that? Would you want to serve anybody else that couldn't do that? You know, it's like he's God. And he's a good God, and he's a good shepherd. And he refreshes and restores our soul. Phew. The New Testament says that the, that the Lord would give us a peace that passes all understanding. Wow. It, it defies understanding that Vanessa could have ministered to all of us that way during the course of it. And when it came to the song, Rest... There were so many diverse people from people groups there. I really couldn't raise my hands and stand in worship like I wanted to. It was amazing. Everything in me just went, this is worship. And there were no words. It was just blowing the ceiling off. And there was an anointing in that place. And you look down the row and hardly a dry eye in the place as this song crescendoed with no words. And people began to weep. That this young mother would be leading an orchestra in the song, Rest. It got us because the Good Shepherd was all over Vanessa and all over us. And he led me into still waters that day and quiet waters, and he refreshed my soul. And his rod and his staff, they comfort us. God's not a wimp. He doesn't stand by and go, oh, I wish I could do something for you. But it's scary for me, or I don't want to get involved, or I've got big worldly problems. But no, God is a massive intervention in our lives. He follows some rules, and they break some, and he does what he wants to do to give you, not only now, but down the road. He sees the future. He knows how to respond to us so that in the end we're better. Sometimes he doesn't do the things immediately that we want him to, but it's for our benefit that he doesn't. Yeah. You know, every child would like ice cream every morning for breakfast. <laughs> you say, Dad and Mom, they don't treat me right. If they were good shepherds, they'd feed me what I want, you know. Not good in the end, is it? So god, God's god got the long game in mind for you, not only on this earth, but eternity. So that when you get to eternity, you go, Oh, thank you for doing it the way you did it, God. And not taking my suggestions every time I dropped them in the back of the church suggestion box. His rod and his staff are powerful and they comfort us because he uses his power for us and our benefit and our protection. The last P is one that I think we can get off base with because it's such a reality. If a shepherd isn't wise or good, they'll take this prosperity message to a point where it feeds the shepherd and not the sheep. The prosperity doctrine has been misused, and I would imagine it sets bad shepherds up to profit. So we remember that we don't believe in a prosperity doctrine or a poverty doctrine. We believe in a stewardship doctrine. That God wants you to take what he's given you and blow on it and make you the best you you can be. Take your gifts and make them the best gifts you can be. And What the Psalm 23 says, and remember what Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come to give you life and that more abundantly. And then he says right after that, I am a good shepherd. See, abundant life is attached to a good shepherd. You don't just barely get by. Now, if you're barely getting by, I would say, tune in your ears. Are you listening to Jesus every walk of your life? Because if you begin to tune up your ears and just follow Jesus, follow Jesus, follow Jesus, he will lead you into the right path and prosperity will begin to roll. Sometimes we don't have prosperity because God uses it to say, you're heading in the wrong direction and I'm not going to reward you for that. Because you'll be confused. When parents don 't discipline their child, do wrong, it hurts, do right, it feels good. kids get confused. so God's the same way. He doesn't confuse us. Now, every time things don't go well and we don't prosper doesn't necessarily mean you're out of the will of God. There are wilderness experiences. Yeah. Joseph probably shouldn't have bragged about his big prophecy, and he's off to the Egypt with the, you know, as a slave. He could have been saying. Did I make a wrong move back there? But right now, what what does Joseph have to do? He just has to listen to the Lord from there on out. And, And we believe it was the hand of God that moved him there. And Joseph was in an awful spot. So you can't say that Joseph did a bunch of wrong stuff to end up in a bad place. But use your discerner. Ask the Holy Spirit, God, have I been obedient to you the best that I know how? Have I been reading your scripture, knowing your word, not presuming, not putting into the Bible what I want to hear, but really looking at what you want to tell me, God? And I'm following you with all my heart. I don't know how else to follow you, God. If if I'm missing it anywhere, show me. You take that attitude, you're on the right path. And you just keep answering the call of God, listening to his voice. And there will be times you don't feel like you're prospering. But in many cases, it's a setup to prosper. Sometimes God will close a door to a job to open up a much bigger window. So in the midst, you're not prospering, but God's saying, hey, you know, I'm setting you up for prospering. Do you trust me? Do you know every step of the way that I'm a good shepherd? I won't let you down. You know the word hope, what it means in today's vernacular? I won't get shortchanged. Hope says I will not get shortchanged. The opposite of that is feeling like, man, I don't know if the Lord's going to bless me or love me or prosper me. I I may get shortchanged here. That's not hope. The Bible hope says, you know, I believe the Lord isn't going to shortchange me in this thing. I'll just stay true to him. You know, I think about lifting weights. Initially, when you lift weights, you get really sore and you get tore down. But that's on the way to building, right? So sometimes life is like that. You just got to trust the good shepherd. And he wants to prosper. You look at these prosperous words. He wants to anoint my head with oil. He doesn't want me to prosper. He wants me healthy. He wants me to be vigorous and be able to do great things for him and prosper in my way. Because I have energy and vitality and it helps me prosper. And you've got to be healed and not be sickly in your spirit or your mind or your body to really prosper. So God anoints our head with oil as a healing balm that they would put over the sheep. And God gives you just enough to make your cup half full, right? No. He wants to press down, shaken together, and running over. That's prosperity. I've got more energy than I need. I've got more love than I need. I've got got more than just a little bit. It's overflowing in my life. A good shepherd will bring you into a place where your cup just overflows. Surely... Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> How many? People, I'm sorry. I can't get that stupid thing. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was one word, Shirley goodness. I thought she was like, you know, Joe Smith, Shirley goodness. I, as a kid, I couldn't figure this out. I just rammed together. It means certainly. Certainly. Of a certain. Do you believe this today? This is what a good shepherd is. You need to understand with certainty, good and mercy and love will not be fleeting but will follow you all the days of your life. How many of you have ever dropped a slice of bread it landed face down on the peanut butter on this, and you go, Murphy's Law Murphy's Law anything that can go wrong will go wrong Murphy's Law. I started to do this when I dropped my sandwich and it landed face up I go Beat you, Murphy. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. Of course it landed right side up. And there's a 10-second rule if it falls on the floor. All right. And I rebuke those germs at that point, point. I just eat my sandwich. Because goodness and mercy shall follow you. Well, doesn't that put something in your step? Doesn't that make you overflow? Don't, don't you understand that God doesn't want you just to eat by? He wants goodness and mercy to follow you all the days of your life. Now, you got to follow him as these things follow you. Because if you stop dead in the water, there's no way to follow you anywhere. Or if you take your own path, they don't follow you. I've noticed that when I do my own thing, goodness and mercy don't tend to follow me. But when I listen to the voice of the Lord... There's got to be a faith in me that says all the good things of God are going to follow me all the days of my life. Let that be our testimony, amen? Now, there's one last line in Psalm 23. It's really interesting. It almost seems like it comes out of nowhere. And it says, For I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a conclusion, and to me, It's all for That when you understand the house of God, it's God's house. You're going to have provision. You're going to have protection. Man, they have done research. When children are raised in church, the odds of them being in danger diminishes by like 40% or something. Their life expectancy goes up 15 years as opposed to not being raised in the house of the Lord. Dwell in the house of the Lord forever and you will have all the provision, all the protection, all the peace. I mean, I I don't know how many times I've done this and I know you're the same way. My life has been a train wreck all week long. And then I walk into the house of the Lord. How's he do that? I just want to run back to the house of the Lord. And the house of the Lord doesn't have to be confined to these walls. I know that. But there's something about when a people gather together in his name. He's there in our midst. He didn't say gather one at a time and I'll be there in your midst. We're two or three. He's saying you need others to gather together and then I will be there in your midst. Jesus said, husbands, you know, Paul said it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And gave his life for her. Why would he do that? Because in the house of the Lord, when you dwell there, all the attributes of a good shepherd are at your disposal. I'd like the uh, little ensemble to come up that was during, during our prayer time. They were leading us in worship. And I just felt like, oh, the good shepherd was speaking to our hearts through them. i have been to a musical concert. Now I know the word ensemble sure I said it right but wasn't the Holy Spirit awesome and the high water mark of our service today was it is well with my soul it is well with my soul my heart today my first prayer is that if you've never followed Jesus that today you would hear his voice and know you're a part of the flock that he wants to call that Jesus is calling your name this morning. He wants you to have all the privileges of a child of God. Oh, what great love the Lord has bestowed upon us that he would want to call you a child. So this morning, my first prayers: if you don't know Jesus or you haven't been following him, that you'll hear the voice of your savior today through this message, through the Holy Spirit's urging and you'll just come to Jesus. And you'll begin to follow him and experience the joy of his salvation, the peace, the protection, the provision, and the abundant life that Jesus has for you. Would you stand with me this morning? If that's you this morning, we don't wanna embarrass anybody. We, we wanna say that every service. We're not here to embarrass you. The Lord would want to protect you and guard you as as one of his sheep. But with every eye closed, if you would like this morning to say, I want it to be well with my soul. I want to come to Jesus, whether it's for the first time or to recommit my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just raise your hand right now that you're saying, I want it to be well with my soul. I wanna feel the good shepherd in my life. I wanna know there's a good shepherd in my life. Jesus, I hear your voice and I will be following you. Just lift your hands right now and let us, we'll just be praying with you and for you this morning. Let's go ahead and all just begin to sing this morning and none of us have a perfect life. We all need more of Jesus. Just soak him up this morning as we sing and close the service this morning.
1: quaked before Moved by the sound of his voice Seas that are shaken and stirred Can be calmed and broken For my regard Through
0: said after the service is over and you guys just lay down what you've been doing during our prayer but i want to have matt McMall come up and just explain to you you're not alone this morning there are people in this congregation who would love to love on you in a very normal not weird way and comfort you and to share with your distress and to comfort you. And I want Matt to just explain that and then we're going to have him continue to play if you want prayer, come forward or you want to find somebody or just quietly be dismissed after Matt closes in prayer.
2: Yes, yeah, sir. There's a group of us that um, that are wearing the yellow lanyards. Um, this is our prayer team. Um, you gave your life to the Lord today and you just feel like you wanted to tell someone or talk to someone um, about what you experienced today. Um, these are the perfect people to go to. Um, and yeah of course the altar is always open if you just want some personal prayer um, dear kind and gracious heavenly father we come to you again this day and we thank you we thank you for the life that you have given us god we thank you that you are who you are god that we are created in your image god that you would give each and every one of us as we go our separate ways today, God, new eyes to see in each other what you see in us, God. That we would remember who you are, God, and that without you there would be no life, God. I pray infinite blessings into the lives of each and every one of us in this house today, God. We love you, God, and we thank you. And we pray these things in your precious and mighty name, God. Amen.